Where are you leading from? In a society that prioritizes success first, we tend to fall into traps of leading ourselves and others from a place of fear, doubt, and unworthiness. Let's find a new way. I am seeking to inspire and guide leaders, parents, and athletes to unlock the secrets to a fulfilling life that resonates from the heart. Let's embark on this voyage together, where heart-driven leadership becomes the compass for a life well-lived. This is Heart First. I am your host, Ryan Sawyer. Before we get started, I want to let you know about a resource I created for you. It's called Prep Like a Pro. It's going to take you through a mental, an emotional, and nutritional, physical preparation plan to prepare for big moments. So whether you're an athlete or someone who's preparing for a big speech, interview, or anything in your life that really matters to you, go click on this resource I hope it helps. Welcome back to the show. And here we are once again with my favorite guest, uh, my wife, Heidi Sawyer. Hi. I just paid a hundred bucks to say that. (laughs) (laughs) So I brought Heidi on today to help me with a conversation to make it as, as simple and relatable as possible, because sometimes I tend to get a little bit caught going down a rabbit hole. So you're here to help me. So thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to to make this as uh, as powerful and as impactful as a conversation as we possibly can make it. Yeah, yeah, I love having these conversations. So I'm here for it. Awesome. So I'll do a little introduction into the conversation, and then you either ask questions or share share insights. Do what you do. Okay. So this is about the number one, absolutely number one mental skill there is for mental and emotional well-being and for performance. What I have found in my journey is that the things that pull somebody and help somebody out of a dark place in life and the things that help somebody go from complacency or contentment or um, you know a plateau in life to excelling is the same. Going through the journey of studying everything from shadow integration to mental toughness with former Navy SEALs, right? To studying with neuroscience specialists, to neuroscience, neurotrauma, epigenetics, all, I mean, it's quantum physics. I mean, goodness gracious, the list can go on and on. There was one consistent through line with all of it. There was more than one, but there was one that stood out above all else. And it was this mental tool that if practiced, turns into a mental skill an emotional skill, which is to self-detach, to witness, to observe, to notice. We even heard it called the watchman at the gate. To be able to observe yourself with a non-judgmental awareness, to recognize a thought, to not attach to that thought, to recognize an emotion and not get caught in the story of that emotion and that dip and that disturbance to self-detach and just objectively notice. This gives us the ability and the awareness to course correct. It creates space between stressor, stimulus, and how we choose to respond to it. It allows for us to relieve stress. It allows for us to relieve pressure in our life in a way that gives us space to create what we do want in the next moment. So I would love just to hear from you, like what is the first thing that comes to your mind? The first thing that comes to my mind actually is from a book that I read years ago. 
changed my life just hearing this phrase that you are not your thoughts. I really had to sit with that because for a long time, for a lot of my life, I believed every thought that I had. I didn't understand that it was something that I could actually take a step back and observe from a different perspective. And once I was able to get an idea of what that was, then I began to explore how do I practice this? How do I create that space between my thoughts or my anxious overthinking or ruminating about something and actually being in my body and being okay in that moment and being able to realize these are all thoughts. These are sentences in my brain happening and I don't have to merge with those. I can be watching them. That, that's the first thing that came to mind was just, I remember how mind blown I was when I heard that the first time. And I even remember getting on Facebook and doing a video. You guys, did you know you are not your thoughts? It was just yeah. blew my mind. I thought I have to tell this to everybody. This is amazing. You know, I scream this from the mountaintops. This is one of those basic skills that, man, I wish we found a way to integrate this into school where you began with a very simple practice in the first grade. And by the time a kid was a senior in high school, like it was just somehow integrated into everyday life in the class where, or there'd be a health class or a PE class or whatever, or every class mm-hmm. where this was practiced in a way where it went from being a concept, you know, it went from intellect into experience. Yeah. Went from this idea into a visceral recorded body experience because you maybe have heard this before, but you're not your thoughts, you're not your body, you're something greater. And this, yeah, you can think of this as a spiritual context, but it shows up in every single thing. Like when I went and worked with Mark Devine, you know, former Navy SEAL, this is one of the first things he taught us was a tool called worm, a tool called worm, which is basically a mental performance tool of being able to witness, interdict, replace, and maintain. Now, the main part of worm is that first word to witness. This is something that they teach to Navy SEALs. If they if it didn't work at a very high level, they wouldn't spend the time to train it into Navy SEALs to be able to witness your thoughts, witness your emotions, and to be able to ask yourself, like, is this supporting me or is this damaging me? Is yeah. this helping me stay focused on the task at hand or am I getting distracted to be able to observe yourself, to witness? They do those muscle testing, you know, and you're, the way that you're thinking and if you're attaching to a negative thought in a high performance scenario, Navy SEAL, they might be in a really high stakes situation. They need to be able to detach from something that is not supporting them in that scenario and really find something that's going to help them be stronger and perform in a really powerful way. They don't have time for that. (laughs) Well, and, and, you know, so, I mean, I could go to every single discipline and I could tell you where it shows up from Buddhism to the Bible and logotherapy, Viktor Frankl's work. You know, if you don't know who Viktor Frankl is, he survived three concentration camps and, and end up obviously creating uh, a whole entire series of different books and logotherapy is a type of therapy that complements psychotherapy. And it's based on the idea of seeking meaning in life. One of the main tools that he basically 
takes two different concepts, but one of them that he talks about in there is to self-detach, to be able to give somebody a break from their neurosis, right? Which we all have some form of neurosis in our lives, ruminations, things that cause, you know, where, I mean, the science shows it over and over, 80 to 90% of your thoughts are the same thoughts as yesterday. They're recycled. So how many of these are really, truly allowing us to be present and create the future life that we want rather than a past and present reality of a future present reality, right? We have to be able to self-detach and allow for things to come and go. And so this is the tool that I don't want to just talk about. This is a tool that I want to give people. One of the most important things in my journey was that time that I spent in California, when I went down there, I spent two weeks in training. There was 11 of us in a yoga studio with Mark and Catherine Devine. And we did my Kokoro yoga certification. Now, yes, it was yoga. Yes, we were doing asana practice, but we were moving, breathing, visualizing mantras, all these different things. But still the theme of all of it was to observe, was just to notice, was to witness right? Was to self-detach. So when we were doing 300 burpees, when Mark first walked in the door, within minutes, we're all doing 300 burpees. Why? Because let's see where your mind goes. Did you notice that? When I said, when I got to 300 and Mark goes, all right, we're halfway there. Your mind goes, oh my goodness, I don't know if I can do this. To just notice, what does your mind do? What's the automatic default pattern or mechanism of survival or of protection that your mind goes to in moments of adversity. Mm-hmm. And if it isn't supporting you, we can do things that learn to learn how to train it. So it will. And yeah. if you don't know what's happening internally, if you're not building awareness and the ability to observe and witness, and if you're not doing hard things, doing one of two ends of the spectrum, I'd say, To build this ability to witness, Heidi, you have to either sit still and listen. You have to become familiar with yourself in there. Or you have to do something hard and then notice. So you do something hard like stepping into an ice tub. Or when we're doing workouts, we do things where we're like, hey, expect the unexpected. Now we're going to do something different or hard that wasn't written on the board for our workout. And just notice how your mind goes, oh, I don't want to do burpees. I thought we were almost done. Yeah. Now we have to do this. Mm -hmm. And and just noticing what the mind is doing in these moments when things get hard, because each end of the spectrum is hard. Sitting still, being quiet, being bored, that can be hard for people, right? And 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 that's important. I'm not going to go into all the reasons why that's important, but that's important. And then doing hard things and 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 programming and kind of and working through and stretching our nervous system in two different directions to know like, oh, this is the automatic default of my mind when somebody uh, says something that re- I feel like is rejection or and now I can do something with it. Now I can change it. Now I can work with it. We just recorded a podcast for your podcast that we might put on both. I'm not sure. But it was about shadow integration, right? This is the first piece of shadow integration work of being able to create a new version of yourself is awareness. We call it awareness, not therapy. Mm-hmm. So that ability to just be like, yeah, I can notice. I know what's going on in there. 
Now I can decide, do I want to keep what's going on in there? Or do I want to change what's going on in there? Is it supporting me or damaging my ability to be present, to be okay, or to perform? My desire is to not just have people have this idea in their head and like, yeah, okay, I'm not my thoughts, but to give them a visceral experience. So going back to when I was working with Mark in person, that becomes this grounding experience in my life that I can constantly go back to remember what it felt like inside that room when we were moving and breathing for eight, for 10, for 12 hours a day, for day four, day seven, day 10, day 12, and this space that I felt. Now, I'm, I, don't, I'm not gonna, I don't have two weeks to do this with people, but we're going to take a couple hours. And I'm going to take a group of teenager athletes because that's really the demographic that I'm focusing on working with the most right now. But, you know, we can do things like this for parents and for coaches and different people as well. But to take a group of teenagers that maybe are a little bit entangled in their experience of their mind, of their thoughts, of their body, of their emotions, right? And give them this experience by me guiding them through some breath, some movement. We'll do something hard and we'll sit still. I'll hit both ends of the spectrum that I just talked about. And I'll guide them to a place where they're going to have a visceral experience of realizing, oh, I'm, I'm observing myself. Mm-hmm. If I'm able to observe myself, then am I actually my thoughts? If I'm watching my thoughts, I can't be my thoughts. I have to be the one watching them. If I'm observing my body, I can't be my body. I'm the one watching my body. Right. Yeah. So much more powerful position to be in than being at the mercy of what's ever going on in your head. Because like you mentioned, as human beings, we have, what is it? 60 to 70,000 thoughts a day. There's also a negativity bias because our brain's Mm -hmm. job is to keep us safe. And it's constantly looking out for threats. A lot of those thoughts are negative and fear-based and so being able yeah. to separate from that is really just such a game changer. And like you said, it's a cool concept to think about and to post a video on Facebook about when you first hear it, but it's another thing to actually have a visceral experience of it. And I love that you're going to be doing that with these young people. What an awesome opportunity to learn something through experience that is not really being taught anywhere else. Yeah, it's not going to be taught in the school. You're not going to learn it from your sports coach. They don't have time, right? And that's where that's where I come in. And even when we look at it from a brain mapping perspective, when we work with the neuroscience specialist, which we have a lot of exciting things coming down the pipeline, you guys, with Stephanie Fay, our neuroscience specialist, who's integrating into our team with some certain things and some brain mapping that we're going to be able to do. Even when you just look at it from where the energy is going in the brain, when somebody is experiencing pain, physical mental, emotional pain, all just pain to our system, to our brain. Really, there's no differentiation between the two or the three. That when you are able to self-detach and notice that the pain sensors in your brain settle down and you can actually recontextualize what pain, the signal of pain means, which means that you can actually change your your brain being like, oh, well, pain doesn't kill me. So Mm -hmm. was that thing that felt like death to my system, that rejection from a friend, or even that physical knee pain, all of a sudden doesn't impact me the same way. Because the part of my brain that lights up when there's pain is now 
able to settle back down. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is what we call prefrontal cortex training, where the part of our brain that is our control tower that helps to quiet the mind, helps to quiet the limbic system, helps to quiet those fear-based automatic negative thoughts. When we strengthen your prefrontal cortex, then the rest of those parts of the brain, and it communicates with them all, and so it, the rest of those parts of the brain settle mm-hmm. down. So then now the narratives and the stories and the judgments and the fears and the doubts and the anxieties and the, oh, and the swings of the depression and the, oh, and the, and the wanting to be a perfectionist and hoping that we're good enough and, and not being okay, you know, uh, unless we win and all all the things that happen, especially at that younger age, that 14, Mm -hmm. 15, 16, 17, 18 years old, you know, we can learn how to begin to settle those things down. Right. Mm -hmm. And. So that to me is, it's not woo-woo. It, there's hard, hard, hard science that backs this up. But then how? My point is that we have unpacked and learned how to explore how enough to work about facilitating that help for other people so they have that visceral experience. Mm-hmm. And I'm yeah. super excited about bringing that. I love it. I think we get a lot of knowledge from books and podcasts and things like that, but nothing tops the experiential way of learning and actually having that felt sense of what you're learning. I had someone recently ask me for some book recommendations and I said, I think you've read enough books. It's time to have an experience. And that's the truth. We can take in a lot of information, but until you're able to actually integrate it into an experience, especially for teens and younger people uh, you've got to get it into the hands of these, these kids so that they can not just understand it intellectually, but have a felt experience of it so that they have something to go back to when life gets hard because it will. Yeah, well, that, and that's, you just hit the nail on the head. Thank you, Heidi, for saying that because we don't rise to occasions, right? We fall to our level of training. And what that means is that just gently speaking is that if we try to access these types of tools, but they're not yet integrated into our life as a skill, when things get hard, you're not going to have access to them. Mm -hmm. But if you do some front end preparatory work and you have the awareness of it and you have the experience of it, so there's that, there's the resource there. There's the tool that now is a skill because the brain knows how to fire and wire that way because you've practiced it in a, in a calm environment. Now you're faced with adversity. Now you can pull up that resource, go to that resource and use that resource when life is happening. Mm-hmm. Right. When, when things out there are a little bit chaotic or there's some adversity or something happens or things didn't go well or didn't play well or whatever the thing is, now we can practice compassion. Right. We can practice taking responsibility. We can practice curiosity. We can practice engaging in these, in these things and these ways of being that allow for us to be more present and to perform at a higher level. And again, yeah. these tools that turn into skills. With enough practice, tools turn into skills. They're the exact same for somebody who is struggling with a rumination, with, with you know, periods and spells of being in their own head, stuck in their head, anxiousness, depression, 
perfectionism, all these things, right? In ways that are kind of keeping somebody from experiencing, you know, peace, joy, love, or performance, right? The tools are the same. They help to, you know, settle down the rumination, settle down the overactive overstimulation of the mind, the overwhelming of the mind, the overthinking, and give space for that person, that same individual to then perform at a higher level. Viktor Frankl talks about hypertensionality, hyperintentionality, which means that this is one of the things that self-detachment helps us with. If you're a very goal-driven person, a lot of times you become over-identified and over-attached to a specific goal or a specific outcome. You'll keep yourself from that goal or outcome because you're being hyper-intentional. Our ability to self-detach is going to increase our performance because now we're not going to be as attached to a specific outcome or goal. And we're able then to see how we can course correct and navigate towards that goal with, with more space. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Creativity so, takes a different part of the brain than, than that overthinking, ruminating anxiety level of thinking, you know, it takes a different part of the brain and, and that's what you're looking for is the ability to be in a stressful situation or high stakes situation like competition and to be able to innovate, be creative in that moment. What else could we do? Okay, we're, we're down by this score right now. What else could we do? Um, and then also just in other areas of life for young people that they face, you know, rejection within friend groups. I know you mentioned that breakups failing a class or a test. I mean, there's so many things that happen at that age where these tools are incredibly beneficial and to practice them is the only way to have them in your tool belt when you actually need them when the occasion comes up. Yeah, and I love what you bring that up, that this is, you know, we use sports, right? As the analogy is the vehicle, but it begins to show up in every single area of life, right? And and it allows for that person to carry themselves into adulthood with these already inborn in, right? They're already integrated into their lives. So they don't have to later at, you know, 25, 30, 35 years old or beyond, like come back and try to, you know, learn something mm-hmm. that that is harder to learn as you get older. It's just the way it is. Your brain is less plastic. Like mm-hmm. 16 years old, right around that age, 14, 16, 18 years old. Like, man, it's just prime time to learn some of these stuff, to have these seeds planted. So, you know, then that person, that individual can can water them a little bit and help them grow. So any last thoughts about Heinz? Yes, I love the conversation. I appreciate you having me on to chat about it. Drop a couple of tickets. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you yeah, for your time. You've got me pre- thinking. Yeah. Well, it, it gave me a chance to, you know, to, to spit what I wanted to spit out. But, you know, still, you know, be supported. So thank you for your time. And uh, we have these workshops coming up. This particular next one is March 2nd at the Matt and Liberty Lake from 12 to 3. And again, I'm just going to be giving them an experience of what it feels like to self-detach and observe themselves. So we're going to breathe. We're going to move. We're going to do something kind of hard. And then we're going to be still and we're going to be quiet and and I'm going to guide them through the whole thing to give them that experience as a grounding reference point in their life. And then if there's more from that point forward, we can have all kinds of other conversations of what it would look like to continue this practice and 
developing the skill to to self-detach, to cultivate greater mental and emotional well-being and, and greater levels of performance in our lives. So once again, thank you so much for your time and attention, and we'll see you on the next show. Hey, thank you so much for your time and attention. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a rating and a review and share it with a friend or someone who you think may benefit. And don't forget to go grab your free resource by heading over to the link in the show notes. We'll see you on the next episode.